Voila. It's perfect. Scotty! Sit. Who's a good little lamb? Stay. I've done yourself again this year. I did, didn't I? Yeah. Oh, how adorable. Good boy, Scotty. Good boy. Well, happy Sunday morning to you. Hopefully you are doing well. Uh, we're kicking off a brand new series this week called Reasons for the Season. In fact, Jesus gives us reason, reasons why he came. And Christmas, as we look at it, it seems to be so much about Santa and getting gifts and brunch and all of those are good things. But the reason why we even have Christmas is because of Jesus. And he gives three reasons of why he came. You ever felt the pressure, right? There was a desired outcome or the result rested on you on whether or not you were going to deliver for your team or for your family, right? Uh, for me, it's whether getting into grad school or moving our team down the field in the end of the fourth quarter or it was bases loaded at the bottom of the seventh with two outs, down by two. I felt the pressure like over my life and, and during my life. There had been situations where I've been put in where I had to deliver, not just for myself, but for my team. I think about getting into graduate school and you know, we had decided to leave uh, a, a ministry position as assistant pastor at a, a small country church in North Carolina. And I wanted to finish my degree at seminary. And so I chose to, to apply at Dallas Theological Seminary. And as we applied there, I found out that not all my transcripts transferred. And they required me to take the GRE, which is the graduate record exam. And then with a qualifier that I needed to score a certain number. And I was beginning to become stressed. I became anxious and worried. What if I had made a major mistake by resigning? It was Christmas time and I went over to a college in Newport News to take the GRE and as I was getting into the building, I started to be flooded with thoughts of, man, 
I should not have resigned. I don't know if I can handle this. I don't think I'm going to do well on this. If I don't get that score, this is all going to be for nothing. I'll be humiliated. I'll be embarrassed. As I'll have to be like a day laborer at 7-Eleven trying to feed my wife. She married an idiot who couldn't even score a 1,000 on his SATs. I know that sounds extreme, but that's what I was thinking. And the test took all morning. And there were times where I hit the math portion and I was killing it. Tend to be okay with numbers. But then it got to the writing portions. And I thought, I've died. I'm dead. I'm dead. This is a mistake. I'll never, I'll never, I'll never get into graduate school. At least I know how to write my name or I can work for, you know, for pennies or whatever the case on a cardboard sign so that I could work. I was embarrassed. I'm not making light of that. That's where my mind went. My mind went, what have I done? I'll circle back to that story in a bit. But have you ever been there? You ever been there? You ever been in that pressure situation, whether, whether you put yourself there or something or someone outside of your control put you there? Maybe it's finding the right Christmas gift for the person who's so picky. There's a test in the classroom. A test to get into school. Or, or maybe it's on the mat or on the field or your team is down and they need you to deliver. Maybe your company is going through changes and you're not sure where you're going to land. Or maybe you've been given added responsibility, added task, and you're not sure that you're adequately prepared for those added responsibilities. Maybe something happened to your home. Maybe something happened in your home. Maybe you're parenting through a very difficult situation, being single, trying to date again, finding that there's no, you know, not all the good ones are taken. Or maybe it's being a single parent. Maybe your marriage is going through a very difficult season right now. You're going through a rough patch. And do you know that some of us, we handle pressure differently? We're trying to get that result. For some of us, we work. We put our head down and we just keep doing the same old thing. For others of us, we avoid. We don't want to feel the pressure. We don't want to feel the stress. We don't want to feel the anxiety. And so we avoid people. We avoid the situation. We avoid putting ourselves in any type of circumstance or situation. For some of us, we're driven. We have that tenacity. We keep driving and driving and driving until the desired outcome happens. For others of us, we suppress. For others, we escape. For some of us, man, we, we eat all the right ways, right? We take all the vitamins. We want our brain and our body to be functioning at a high level. For others of us, we're, we, we're on a healthy diet of Tums. We typically have an idea how we handle pressure when we look at our kids. Because our kids typically mirror us. Another way to know how we're handling pressure is that when other people tell us. So I took the test. It took several hours. I left thinking that college campus, I, I left. I think I did okay. I think I got close to the score, but we need a plan B. We need a plan B. And so while I went home and I kind of explained to her, all right, we got to figure out another, another solution. And then the scores came in. And I could not believe it. 
I got in. See, this reminds me of one of the reasons Jesus explained why he needed to come to earth. Going back in time to the Old Testament, God provided laws to govern his people, and those who are not Jewish were included if they accepted God as the one true God. And what God intended to do with the laws was two things, to condemn and point the way to life. To condemn and point the way to life. And there was pressure. There was pressure to fully comply to the laws. And when people followed, people experienced life. It was less chaos in their life. Things went well for them and also the nation. And it gave people hope that they could return to a life like how it was in the Garden of Eden, where it was God and his people without the consequences of sin. Jesus was able to do what you and I couldn't do. He was able to fulfill the laws because he is God. He wasn't handicapped by the same human nature that you and I have. Um, our human nature, our human condition is, is called sin. And we're unable to abide in God naturally. Like you and I don't wake up one day like, all right, let's, let's just pursue God. We, we don't do that. It has to take help from him to do that. We're pulled in our selfish direction apart from God all the time, which is why God put those laws in place to show us where and how we've fallen short. That's called sin. And sin comes across as such a bad word, but it's not. It's a really helpful word to help us understand that we've fallen short and we need some help. Like, I've fallen short this week, even being a follower of Jesus. I've fallen short. As a professional Christian, I had some thoughts about our county that I shouldn't have had. Um, I was short-tempered with somebody this week, and that was not good. I had to make those relationships right. I had to ask God to forgive me. And then as we look through the Old Testament, we see the priest, and they were put in place to offer sacrifices on people's behalf so they could receive forgiveness for their sins. And they did it at the tabernacle, and then eventually at the temple. And all of those things were put in place to show that God one day was going to send the one without sin, without that sin nature, to fulfill the laws. To do what we couldn't do. See, if Jesus hadn't come, you and I would still be in this situation. Waiting for the promised one, the Messiah, God's final and forever king, who could do what we couldn't do. So that we could receive forgiveness once and for all for our sin. Notice what Jesus says about his coming in Matthew 5. Do not think I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but notice, but to fulfill them. So to sum it up, Jesus says, I've come to fulfill the law and the prophets. So what does that mean? What does the law and the prophets mean? The law and the prophets was another way to say the Hebrew scriptures or our Old Testament. The law was the first five books of Moses, or the first five books of the Hebrew Scriptures. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Okay. The law provided people clarity on what God expected. And then the prophets, they covered the rest of the Scriptures, including the Psalms. The word abolish means to invalidate meaning. Jesus did not come to do away with the Old Testament. Instead, the word 
is fulfilled, which means to bring about a desired outcome or to complete. Now, think about how difficult this is as a business owner or a teacher, a coach, a spouse, or a parent. There are things outside of your control that makes a desired outcome difficult. There are some things that you want to see done, but it's hard because you're relying on other people to deliver for you. It's difficult. We can't force others to do what we want them to do. We know that as parents. Like This is very difficult because as parents, sometimes we have to be on the sidelines as our kid begins to do some things that aren't wise, and they find themselves failing. We can't force others to do what we want them to do, let alone we don't always do what we know we need to do because we have this human nature. Now think, think about this. All the things that Jesus was up against, all the things that he was up against, and then he delivers on all of them, proving that he was born to do what we couldn't do. Think about how Matthew uses the word fulfill in the beginning of the biography of Jesus. Think, think about all the things that Jesus had to do, and he delivered on all of them. Jesus' birth. He was born of a virgin. His birth was completed. It completed the prophecy from Isaiah hundreds of years before his birth. This is what Isaiah wrote. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel. Matthew writes this. All this took place to fulfill or complete what the Lord has said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. It was a miracle that Jesus was born without a biological father. It was a miracle. This fulfills the expectation that he was to be born of a virgin. Matthew continues. He continues to paint the story that Jesus is able to do some things that were impossible, but yet he was able to complete, that he was able to do. Um, notice that Matthew writes that Jesus' deliverance from Herod fulfills or completes the prophecy from Hosea that the Messiah would come from Egypt. So here again is what Matthew writes. So he got up, speaking of Joseph, and took the child and his mother Mary during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet Hosea. Out of Egypt I called my son. Matthew then continues to tell the story of Jesus doing the impossible, Jesus doing the things that we could not do. In fact, he tells about Jesus' baptism and how he went into the wilderness for 40 days. If we go back to the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, and we begin to see the story of the people of Israel being rescued out of Egypt and they walk through the parted Red Sea and then they spend 40 years in the wilderness. And the reason why they're spending 40 years in the wilderness is because they disobeyed. They did not honor God's law. And so as we look at Jesus, he's representing Israel in a way where he's baptized and into the wilderness he goes, and he does what they couldn't, obey God's laws. Perfect. We can keep going. Jesus fulfilling at least 300 prophecies. And the reason why you and I are not waiting around is because Jesus is the Messiah, and Jesus was born 
Jesus perfectly obeys in our place and comes to show that the law and the prophets, they're all pointing to him. We notice how he completed the prophecies. We'll see some examples on how he fulfilled the moral and sacrificial laws because you have the law and the prophets. Ten commandments were given to Moses by God are perfectly followed by Jesus. Peter writes this, he committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. And then you have the sacrificial laws. They required blood to be shed for the forgiveness of sins. And you think about the pressure of the high priest. The, the high priest is going in on the Day of Atonement, which was for the whole nation, where the whole nation would gather and they're praying that God would accept their forgiveness for a year and they would have to keep doing this. And the high priest would go into the, the most inner place of the tabernacle to, to sacrifice before God's presence. And he was wearing bells on his, on his feet. And, and when the bells stopped jingling, it meant that God did not accept the sacrifice. There's a lot of pressure on the high priest. I mean, that puts jingle bells in a whole new meaning. So the high priest is, is there with all the pressure, not just for him, but for the entire people. Imagine the pressure of not getting that right. Jesus was the high priest who shed his own blood for the forgiveness of sin. But when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are already here, so he's writing back and he's recognizing that Jesus brought so many, so much good that he changed everything. He went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands. Speak of Jesus. That is to say, he's not part of this creation. He did not enter by means of blood and goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once and for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption, which means that through Jesus's death and through his resurrection, we experience eternal life. See, Jesus brings about God's desired outcome, which is a restored relationship with us. See, that's what God desires. God loved us in our weakness, that God loves us in our failure, that he punished sin and he condemned sin through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. He put what should have been on you and me on his son. And Paul writes it well. Have he canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, which meant that we were separated from God because of our sin. Jesus has taken that away, nailing it to the cross. And so what you and I have now is a restored relationship with our Heavenly Father through Jesus. Simply, Jesus does what we couldn't to get God's desired outcome for us. Think about this story. There's a story about Aurelio LaGuardia, who was the mayor of New York City during the worst days of the Great Depression and all of World War II. He was called by adoring New Yorkers the little flower because he was only five foot four and always wore a carnation in his lapel. He was a colorful character who used to ride the New York City fire trucks, raid speakeasies with the police department, take entire orphanages to baseball games, and whenever the New York newspapers were on strike, he would go on the radio and read the Sunday funnies to the kids. One bitterly cold night on January of 1935, the mayor turned up 
and night court that served the poorest ward in the city. Lagardia dismissed the judge for the evening so that he could take over. Within a few minutes, a tattered old woman was brought before him, charged with stealing a loaf of bread. She told Lagardia that her daughter's husband had deserted her. Her daughter was sick and her two grandchildren were starving. But the shopkeeper from whom the bread was stolen refused to drop the charges and he said to Lagardia, it's a real bad neighborhood, your honor. She's got to be punished to teach other people around here a lesson. Lagardia sighed. He turned to the woman and said, I've got to punish you. The law makes no exceptions. Ten dollars or ten days in jail. But even as he pronounced the sentence, he was already reaching into his pocket. He extracted a bill, tossed it into his famous sombrero, saying, here is the $10 fine, which I now remit. And furthermore, I am going to fine everyone in this courtroom 50 cents for living in a town where a person has to steal bread so her grandkids can eat. Mr. Bailiff, collect the fines and give them to the defendant. So the following day, the New York City newspapers reported $47.50 was turned over to their bewildered grandmother, who had stolen a loaf of bread to feed her starving grandkids. 50 cents of that amount being contributed by the red-faced, angry grocery store owner, while several and some of the 70 petty criminals, people with traffic violations, and New York City policemen, each of whom had just paid 50 cents, for the privilege of doing so, gave the mayor a standing ovation. See, just as the mayor took the pressure off this woman, provided her an outcome better than she desired, God did this for us through Jesus. Paid the penalty of our sin. So, where does this leave us if Jesus took the pressure off of us to get God's desired outcome of a restored relationship with him? It means that we live under the leadership of Jesus, which is our response to what Jesus did on our behalf. Love, gratitude, obedience to God. The pressure is off, guys. The pressure is off, you and I. We don't have to obey to get in. The pressure is off. We're not working for salvation. We're working from salvation. If you believe that Jesus died in your place, so that you could receive forgiveness and a restored relationship with God, and that he rose again to show that he is God, he was able to do that, and to provide a spiritual life, that's it. You've been adopted into God's family. There's nothing you need to do to work for your salvation. You work from our, we work from our salvation. And there's still rules that we need to live by to get life right. We want less chaos in our life, right? How we get less chaos in our life? Is by following Jesus. He, he allows us to get life right. In fact, he gives you and I his Holy Spirit. Jesus sums up all the laws this way. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. We love God by knowing him personally. How do, you, how do we know him personally? Just like we do any other person. 
We spend time with them. We gain a true and accurate knowledge about who they are. Our mind can be so distracted that we miss this time to know Him personally. As we continually develop our love for God, the second commandment is how we show that love. As our mind is changed, our actions are changed. Jesus provides a new command. A new command I give you. Love one another. And yeah, yeah, I know that this is hard. This isn't meant to be easy. As I have loved you, I have been patient, I've tolerated, I've served, I've gone last. And I'm about to show you that I'm willing to die for you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And the love, the term for love that he uses, is the highest form of love in the Greek culture at the time, in the Greek language at the time. So Jesus taught how to live through the gospel writings. You know, there are other commands spread throughout the New Testament for us to follow. And believe it or not, nine out of the Ten Commandments are actually emphasized to follow today. The exclusion is keeping the Sabbath. Some of us will find ourselves in pressure situations. We're put there by ourselves or put there by something or someone else outside of our control. Maybe it's finding that right Christmas gift for the person so picky. Test. Or you're in a position on the field or on the mat that you have to deliver for your team. Organizational changes. And you're not sure what's going to happen to you. Added responsibility. Being single. Being a single parent. Your marriage is going through a rough patch. According to Hudson Taylor, the great pioneer missionary to China, it matters not how great the pressure is, only where the pressure lies. If we make sure it never comes between us and our Lord, then the greater the pressure, the more it presses us to Him. Man, I love that. Here's a couple things to think about. This Christmas, where are you feeling the pressure and why? Where are you feeling it? And why? And then Jesus came to take the pressure off of us so we can lean into him and his strength. How can you and I lean into him this week? Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus coming to do what we couldn't do. He was able to deliver the desired outcome of a restored relationship we could not do. No matter how hard we work, no matter how hard we try to obey, we were all going to fall short. And Jesus came to do what we couldn't do. And that is to bring about your desired outcome of a restored relationship with us. We're incredibly thankful for what Jesus did. It takes the pressure off of us. Remind us that we're not trying to earn anything. We're not working for salvation. We're working from salvation. That you will give us a deep love for you. I love to obey and follow because we know that when we follow you, you make us better at life. Help us. In Jesus' name, amen.